Welcome to Healing You, presented by Define You Radio, with host Valencia Griffin-Wallace. Committed to helping you heal with stories, tips, and strategies by guests who were once hurting. In order to define you, you must first heal you. Now your host, Valencia Griffin-Wallace. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Healing You, a Define You radio show, episode 004, Pressing Through It All, with guest Alta V's Pelzer. I'm your host, Valencia Griffin-Wallace, and we are joined tonight, as every Sunday, by the Healing You advocates, Ms. Tasha Dearborn and Ms. Connie Lee Bennett. Healing you is the first step before you can define you, hence why Healing You comes on on Sundays and Define You radio on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. So tonight's guest, while we're waiting on the guest to join us, her name is Altavis Peltzer, and she's going to tell us the story behind her healing in dealing with situations in her Life. So I will tell you a little bit about the guest when she gets here. So, with that being said, we're going to talk to one of our Healing You advocates, Miss Connie Lee Bennett. Connie, are you there? I am. And as always, absolutely honored to be a part of your show, Valencia. Thank you for having me. No, thank you so much for adding your your insight to the show, and I'm very excited. Um, just with you being a part of it, you know, I think it's very good to always get uh, different perspectives on different things, especially with when it comes to healing. And you do have ex- a lot of experience in this, you know, in healing in general. So I want to, if you want to go ahead and tell the audience, in case this is their first time, and if this is you guys' first time, thank you so much for listening in again. Uh, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about you, and then we will join our, we'll introduce our guests. But tell the audience a little bit about you. Sure. Well, I think the heart of everything I do is in absolute vibration with the heart of the show. I think that who I am is somebody who helps women step into their inner feminine power and passion. And I think that for so many, so many of us, myself included, we have many stories where we found ourselves in the corner of the room, either physically or emotionally. You know, where we, we found our, our husbands or friends or uh, managers or with a work personal we found these people sort of towering over us with, our, with their fingers pointing at us and telling us, you know, that they will be doing, I'm sure at one of the shows I'll be sharing my story, but, you know, that's, it's a, a taster of what happened to me is that was where I was, you know, somebody telling me that I will do what they tell, hmm. what they tell me <laughs> to do. And, um, you know, that really spurred the heart of, of what I do, one of the reasons is to help people to, to get out of the corner. And, you know, today's show is just going to be 
so beautiful because it's going to be helping women to to get those tools from many different voices, which is beautiful. Is the more we hear things, the more it integrates into our into our mind, but also into our energy and into our physical body. You know, the the emotional memories that we have. So it's going to be a beautiful show, and I'm excited about it. I, I agree, and I'm I'm excited also. And there are, you know, healing is one word, but it's done in different ways. And so I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest, and we'll get her on the line to hear about her. So, you guys, our guest tonight is Miss Altavis Pelser, the author of The Press a series of self-help books for business, businesses, women, and families. With that being said, I'm going to go ahead and get her on. Ms. Altaviz, are you there? Hello? Good evening. So I had (laughs) put myself on mute. It was a lot going on. <laughs> I'm sitting talking, and y'all were just not hearing me. <laughs> uh, I've, you know, I've done that several times, so I completely understand. I was trying to figure out, you know, why no one heard me, and it was the simple fact that um, I was muted myself. <laughs> so, welcome to to healing you. Thank you for having me. It is a definitely an, a great experience to be able to be on Healing You because this is what I do. I love that thought process. I love that whew, that healing that people go through. Seeing that process is such a a, a powerful tool. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. It 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 is a a process. I think people don't realize that. Healing is a process. It's not a one size fits all. It's not a I'm a wake up tomorrow and everything's gonna be better. It's a process. So um, before we get into tonight's show, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about you? So my name is Altavis Pelzer. I am a motivational speaker. I am a Amazon best-selling author, and I am a certified life coach. I work with women who have gone through um, emotional abuse, uh, physical abuse, mental abuse, rape, and molestation. I myself was molested as a child and did not say anything about it until I was 35 years old. Um, I'm also the mother of two girls who were molested as well. So I kind of have it from two perspectives as being the one that was molested as well as the the parent trying to help the children um, recover and grow and move forward from that difficult situation. Um, The books that I have out right now are It's Okay to Cry, which it took me eight years to write, uh, just a battle in myself, low self-esteem, trying to not thinking that somebody would actually buy a book titled that, everything and anything. Uh, my second book is Define Your Voice, which is what my whole business structure is based upon, is helping women to find their unique voice. 
The third one, which was just released, that one is The Ripple Effect. And it's kind of that idea of getting out of the boat. You know, everybody, you know, criticizes Peter for um, getting out of the boat and sinking or almost sinking. But that process of him actually getting out of the boat was a very strong process that many of us struggle with. So it's that whole process of getting out of the boat. And, you know, yeah, it may not be easy, but if you make it to that point, then it's okay if you, you know, if you might sink a little bit, but you made it to that point and you have to, you know, kind of be okay with the winds. <laughs> huh. I love yes. that. I love one, that. The fourth one is coming out soon, and that one is Hold My Hand. Hmm. Beautiful. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Okay, I want to kind of jump off or or step off the boat or in the boat or onto the show. (laughs) However is the best way to, to phrase that and ask you, why did you decide that you wanted to help women because I heard you say you were in your thirties, if I'm correct, before you even addressed your own abuse. So is that, was that like the determining factor, so to speak, to why you wanted to help women? Yes. So in going through this process, one of the major things that I came in contact with is the fact that women who have gone through abuse, most oftentimes you will never know that they have been through abuse. You may know from their actions, but you you will not know from their words. And it's often because we feel as though we don't have a voice. We feel as though we can't talk about it. Nobody will believe me. People will just tell me to get over it, get on with my life oh, it it wasn't that difficult, it wasn't that hard, or people will play the blame game and say that, you know, oh, it was your fault, oh, you're the reason that it happened, things like that, things of that nature. So for me, helping women was because I was that woman. I was that people pleaser. I was that one who always said yes, never said no, even if it was to my own detriment. I was that one that always gave, 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 and never asked for help when I needed it. So communication was a huge issue (laughs) for a long time. Do you think that was a direct result of you being abused, that you became a yes woman of sorts? Partially. Um, when I was molested, it was during a time when I wasn't living with my mother. So I never told my mother because I felt like I had to protect her. I Mm. felt like I had to shield her because she was in school. She was getting her degree. And so I, you know, I was staying with another family member for a few years and I just, I did not tell her because I was like, you know, she's battling, she's doing all this as a single mom to make a better future for us. I'm not going to share that. And this is a thought process that I I don't even know how I could have such a thought process because this was maybe second, first, second grade when this happened. But 
as I got older and started talking to more women, I realized that I was not the only one who had went through the same thing when it came to that connection of being molested or abused and being that people pleaser, um, even to the point where there are women who are walking around who have gone through abuse and they've detached from themselves so much that they don't even know what color that they like. You know, they don't know their favorite foods. They have to ask someone, well, what is it that you like? Well, you know, well, maybe mm-hmm. I'll do that because you like that. So let me do what you're doing. And we see it a lot and didn't know how to align it. We didn't know how to title it. We didn't know what to do with it. We just saw the woman that was trying to be like everybody else. Wow. So when we go back to the root of it, a lot of times it's rooted and grounded in abuse. Hmm. That's very, like, I've never heard it put like that, that way, how you just, you know, broke it down. And I want to bring in uh, Miss Connie, because I know she, Miss Connie deals with a lot um, having to do with, you know, healing and, you know, things in that direction. Miss Connie, do you find that the people pleasing, that abuse and people pleasing, do you see the the connection there with the women that you've dealt with, and what would you like to add? Well, uh, firstly, uh, I want to just you know acknowledge our guest in today's show, Altavis. You know, you've just spoken so beautifully, and um, you know you've even given me some some food for thought. So thank you so much for being on the show and, and sharing your your story. Um, I resonated with a, a lot of what you said, and I think I wanted to touch on what you beautifully spoke about with regards to detachment, because detachment is one of those defense mechanisms that a lot of women, a lot, maybe even I think all of us in various forms feel at different times in our lives, or maybe at different times of the day. Because, you know, we, we do that as a defense mechanism. And I think whilst you were talking, what I was thinking about was it always for us women comes down to this issue of self-belief and feeling that we are not good enough and feeling mm. that we are not good enough. And that comes from many different source times in our lives growing up. You know, it could be something like abuse or it could be something very simply like not being paid attention to. You know, your your dad doesn't pay attention to you or your mom doesn't pay attention to you because they've had a rough day at work. So there's very different different levels of not being paid attention to. But the core, you know, the, the thought that we think from that is, ah, there is something wrong with me. I am not good enough. Now, what comes from that thought is many different secondary thoughts, which is either, okay, I need to please people to be accepted, or fine, well, I'm just going to do everything on my own and be independent. 
to be accepted because if I ask for love and attention, then that's where the pain is. So the defense mechanisms are there to protect you. And what is really, really interesting about what Elsa has just said is that sometimes those defense mechanisms go to a new level where we actually don't put on a defense mechanism. We actually take on, we morph into a new role. Hmm. You know, I, I've spoken on the shows before about us taking on masks or wanting to fit into boxes. And we sometimes literally morph into a new role that we think we should be to be accepted to try and hide from the pain that is just too unconsciously painful that we sometimes reach a stage where we think, well, hang on. I actually don't know who I, who the core of who I am is. I haven't listened to that still voice for so long. So who, has, who am I? So it's beautiful. What the show's trying to do is to try and give women those tools to try and listen to the heartbeat of who they are once again. Hmm. That's, it's, that's very, very interesting. You guys know I'm, I'm a natural note taker. And so I'm taking notes as as both of you are speaking, and I want to <laughs> go back to uh, Alta V's. Did do you? I know you said you didn't. You were aware that you shouldn't tell your mom because she had a lot going on at that time. When you did come out and speak about it, who did you tell? Did you? tell your mom or like who was that person that got all those years of this built up secret so the conversation came about actually it was blurted out in a conversation with my daughter Mm. because we were talking about trust and we were talking about um you know, everything, the process that they had been going through and some of the things that they, you know, that she was dealing with. And um, it in, in that discussion, in that moment, I, I just blurted it out. And it was like, she just, she, she froze for a moment. But she also took a moment and just had, you know, she just grabbed my hand. And the message that I was talking, that I did a few weeks ago, I was talking about that whole process of having somebody hold your hand. And I said that was Mm -hmm. one of those moments for me where she really couldn't say too much. You know, she was already crying. I was already crying. Tears were already falling down my face. There wasn't too many words that could be said in that moment. It was that moment of I'm not alone. Now, the difference in um, their situation and mine is that my daughter said something. Even though it had been going on for some time, my daughter spoke up and said something where I had never said anything. And it it wasn't until later on a conversation I was having with my daughter um, doing like a live broadcast or something. And I said, you know, what was your proudest moment 
of me, you know, thinking, oh, they would say when you graduated college or, you know, you were became a certified life coach, you wrote your first book. And no, it was, she said, no, it was the first, she said it was the time that you told me that you were molested. Wow. And just the power in that moment, even though it came out during an emotional moment, it was just the power in that moment and knowing there are so many people out there that feel powerless because they've Hmm. never had that moment. Understood. So when you came out and told your daughter, this was after they had been molested. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, Um, My mother had already passed away, so she passed away mm. never knowing. Did you, did, is it something you never planned on telling your mom or it just, is it something you planned on like taking to the grave with you? Exactly. (laughs) Wow. It was that thing that I was going to take with me, um, good, bad, or indifferent. I was not going to, I was not going to to do anything with it ever, Um, especially not going live and talking about it in front of uh, however many women that I come in contact with. That was definitely not the goal. Um, Yeah, no, I wasn't going to say anything. And in that moment, it was like, oh, my, it was almost that, that, oh, my God, what did I just do? (laughs) Oh, like the the dam has been broken. I can't put the water back. It, okay, now right. what's going to happen? Now, because I didn't want to touch on, you know, the situation with your daughters. But before mm-hmm. that, I want to ask you, did you ever confront the person that abused you? No. Is that person is still living? I don't even know. Oh. I can't even tell you their name. Understood. Understood. Now I wanted to and and it's what's interesting about um I don't know if interesting is the right word, but since I've been in this space, that's what I call this whole public arena of of speaking and empowerment. And, you know, since I've been in this space, I have met so many women that have some sort of abuse past. And, but I think that was part of my healing because I have an a, a, an abuse past from a very, very young age. And all the thoughts that you go through in that situation, like, you know, you're taught in school that, you know, bad touches, good touches. Um, I remember being very, very vocal at a very young age and uh but it was never dealt with 
you know, like I didn't know what I was talking about situation. Uh, it was never dealt with. And then when it was brought back up as an adult, you know, to why I don't deal with this person or even acknowledge their existence, it was, it it's kind of brought out to, oh, that was so long ago or, oh, that doesn't, matter that person's not like that anymore and you know it's a whole thing that you almost understand why people just kind of don't say anything because it's some it's not always addressed you know um so I just thought I'd share share that so dealing dealing with your your daughters a abuse. I don't know how much of that you wanted to to touch on or tell the story about that. Um, Whatever you're comfortable with, with that situation. But how, how did you deal with it? So I, I attribute the success of being able to handle it and Mm-hmm. handle the things that have come with it was that I said a prayer and that prayer was for me to for mm-hmm. for God to place people mentors and people in my children's lives that would mm-hmm. show them that they loved them unconditionally and that they were there for them to support them and he sent some very powerful people you know, to the point where they have been there every step of the way since we've been in Maryland, um, at least for a good seven years. They have been there, supported them, encouraged and motivated them. It's been through that support system and a lot of prayer. (laughs) (laughs) That support system and a lot of prayer, that it's that I've had, you know, some level of success because um, I think everybody's journey is going to be different. So everyone's level of success is going to look differently and they're going to have different levels of success that they're um, excited about, accepting that they are um, able to smile about. So, the fact that they are young ladies right now, they're teenagers, and that they speak differently, you know, I love the fact that they walk in who they are. They don't try to be anybody else. And um, all of that has been because of the support system and, uh, like I said, a ton of prayer. But I know that there are women who have gone through this, and Mm -hmm. I've had conversations with parents who their their children are, you know, addicted to drugs, their children are prostitutes, their children are strippers, they're the opposite end of the spectrum that I did not want to go towards. And I wanted to make sure that my daughters didn't go towards. And, you know, that ties into that whole, you know, people pleasing and not really valuing yourself and your body and being in such a clouded headspace that you don't see the value in you 
So you look to something else to see your value. You look to doing something else or achieving something else, even to the ones that become the overachievers. So it's mm. so many ends of the spectrum that you could go to. It's like you don't want them to go to one or to the other. Um, but if you hear them speak, if you saw them, I've literally, anybody who has heard their testimony, who has heard our story, they've said, they don't, y'all don't look like what you've been through. And I think that's the greatest moment for me is to hear that, you don't look like what you've been through. And how long ago was this with your daughters? I found out in 2009. I found out in February of 2009, and we transitioned. That was another piece of it, too. We transitioned from Philadelphia to Maryland, And that was a big city to a little small town. (laughs) So definitely the transition was interesting, to say the least. But it helped in them having the space they needed to go through that healing process as well. Definitely. Now let me ask you, did you – did you – because I'm sure a lot of people say what they would have done had that happened to their kids, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that you've heard, you know, heard that part a whole lot. I would have done this or I would have done that or, you know, so on and so forth, dealing with that. Cause people always know what they're going to do they have to do it, you know, until they're in that exact situation. Did you go through a period of, and I'm I'm sure you did, and maybe you could touch on it, because I know this is part of the healing process with a situation like this, at least in, in my experience, is going through that anger, that, that rage, that out of my mindness. Did did you go through through that? And if you could tell us just a little bit about that or what exactly did you go through emotionally with that situation? The first 24 hours is always the hardest. And I think that that statement can be transferred into many different parts of our lives. When we think about having a child, the first 24 hours is the hardest, especially if it's your first child. Um, Buying a house, the first 24 hours of moving everything in and then you're looking around at a ton of boxes, it's the hardest because you're trying to figure things out and put find homes and find places, you know, put all of the stuff that you brought with you. So that first 24 hours is always very difficult. And for me, that first 24 hours was the most strenuous, emotional 24 hours I've ever had to deal with. From the time that that I found out, um, my oldest daughter, had, they had come, well, my children had come home um, from visiting at their, their father's for the weekend, and, and 
I always made it a point of asking how was your weekend, and that was how the conversation started. Um, I did not know anything had happened, but, you know, through the conversation I found out dealing with uh, special victims unit dealing with doctors because we, of course we had to, I had to call the police. The police had to come and talk to the girls. Very little girls, but they still had to talk to the girls. Um, then we had to go from the house to the hospital. They had to have you know physicals done on them. The, the police still had to be there. They, you know, I mean, we had to go through this whole process, and it's so draining. Like, I was angry, I was frustrated, but in that first 24 hours, I was more drained than anything else. And I think, yeah, in our, like, in the moment for me as her, as their mother, it was draining for me. Now, the emotions that some of our family members went through, that was a whole other story. <laughs> Folks were showing up at people's houses. It was it was crazy. But in that moment, I couldn't think about anything except, okay, what's the next process for them? What do I need to do for them? Okay, where do we go from here? We went from the hospital. Then we had to go talk to detectives over at Special Victims. And then we had to go from there and go back home. Then I went through the process of I was a single mother, I was home by myself listening to them cry in the middle of the night. I mean, just those, I was so stressed out within that first 24 hours that I was just like, what do I do? Where do I go? I, I don't know. But I, I couldn't even get to the point of being angry until maybe a few days later, and then, like, the the anger came out and, you know, in talking to uh, my ex-husband, and talking to other people, that's when the anger came out. But that first 24 hours, I was just so drained, mm-hmm. especially when you have to tell a story over and over again, right. especially when you have, you know, you're looking, I take it as, you know, with parents, we don't want our children hurt, we don't want our children harmed, but we definitely don't want them in a situation where we feel like we can't do anything. We feel helpless. <laughs> and in that first 24 hours, it was like I, there was nothing that I could do except be there. And I just felt completely helpless. So I think that was more so why I wasn't angry. I was more emotional than anything else. And then the anger hit maybe a couple of days later where I wanted to rip people apart. <laughs> where I wanted to rip people apart. But by then I had people, you know, who were showing up at the house and making sure I was okay and, you know, making sure that I didn't take any, make any wrong decisions and things like that. But definitely that first 24 hours, it was emotional. Mm-hmm. So with with your girls, well, Miss Connie, did you have any any questions or anything you would like to add mm. to that? Do you find that you know before you get to the healing, you got to kind of get through that twenty four hour period of I would call autopilot? Mm. 
this is this is really powerful point, and I'd I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, is, you know, for me personally, when I'm going through things, but also when uh, obviously my clients are going through things, is there's this. You were talking about the mind cloud, and often what happens within those first 24 hours, let's say in adverted commas, because you know that could last up to a week sometimes. You know, when you're going through all the different emotions, so like the anger forms a cloud or a pain forms a cloud, is sometimes, especially women who are wanting to tap into their truth and their inner power. It's sometimes harder because they don't want to react. So for myself especially, I know that when I'm dealing with really intense emotional situations, I don't want to react, but I want to express from the truth of who I am. And it's sometimes really difficult to move from the cloud of the mind and the chaos in there all the way down to the stillness of the soul and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this idea of how do we trust in that space of chaos that all will work out for our highest good you know you mentioned this idea of of praying and being in that space of you know I trust that I will be, be divinely guided to meet the right people at the right time and I trust that I will divinely speak that which I need to say and just fall back into that space of, of comfort knowing that all will be okay but we understand this don't we on, on like an intellectual level <laughs> but hmm. sometimes when we're when we're struggling with this emotional chaos uh Sometimes it's hard for us to feel that in our emotional body. Would you have any thoughts or tips on how we can move from the head to the space of the heart in those times? I know one of the biggest things for me was don't be alone. Hmm. And I think for a lot of women, we we have that that period where we shut down. Wow. And we shut down, so we shut down to anything positive. We don't want to pray. We don't want to go to Hmm. church. We don't want to read our Bible. We don't want to even talk to anybody. That moment where we're looking at the phone and we're watching it ring and we don't even want an answer. We don't want an answer. We just shut down. And I think that's that's a focal point for us being able to make it past the situation and, you know, having some sense of comfort is when we don't shut down. Now, granted, I still have moments where I still have to fight shutting down. It's Hmm. a process. But that is literally the thing that women do is they shut down completely. They shut down completely. And when you shut down and you shut people out, then you you don't have those people who are coming to you and saying, I support you. You don't have those people coming and saying, um, I 
encourage you. You're not having those people who are saying, okay, what do you need? Or people showing up to your home with food to make sure that you eat. You know, you don't have those things because you've kind of shut everybody out and believe Mm. that you have to handle this on your own or that nobody knows what you're going through. I think one of the biggest things, too, is that, you know, the world wants us to be an island unto ourselves. Right. And have us in this headspace of Nobody has gone through what we've been through. Hmm. But when we start talking about a situation, we see that there are other people who have gone through it. When we start talking about the situation, we see that there are people who have not only gone through it, but have surpassed it. They're not Hmm. just surviving, but they're thriving. And it gives us some sense of hope as well. Love that. Love that. Very good, very good points on both of you guys' end. Um, so with the title of the show being Press, Pressing Through It All, and with your series, The Press, I know that you talk about eight stages of pressing through difficult situations. So I wanted to ask, maybe you could tell the first the first stage of that, or maybe the first two stages of that. So the first one was, It's Okay to Cry. And it was mm. the title of the first book. And I literally fought on this title. I fought myself tooth and nail because I said, who wants to buy a book that's titled It's Okay to Cry? Who wants to read that? <laughs> that depressing. But in going through the whole process that I've been through, crying has been, okay, considered a weakness. If you're crying about a situation, oh, you can't handle it on your own, you're weak, hmm. Um you need to get over it. You need to move on. And that's not necessarily the case. Crying can actually mean your strength. Why? Because it means, first, it means that you're human. Let's all hmm. be thankful about that. Because <laughs> if you go through something and you don't cry, I'm a little more hesitant about the type of person that you are because you're holding all those emotions on the inside. What will happen when all those emotions finally spill over? So I had a situation where I literally went live, and there was a young lady I connected with. And for me, it was 6 o'clock in the morning. For her, it was about 3. It was just like happenstance. She was up. And we got into a conversation because I was talking about um, connecting with your family and communicating with them. And, you know, she had explained that there was a reason why and it had dealt with being abused and they weren't believing her and things of that nature. And I said, okay, wow, I can, I I know that I understand that. And throughout the conversation, you know, we got to a point where she said, you know, she started to cry. She said she thought about it. And that was the first time that she had ever cried about the situation. And, Hmm. And that was kind of my like, aha moment, my moment of, okay, people really do need this. They really do need to know that it's okay to cry. 
And then wow. it went from It's Okay to Cry. Another one is The Ripple Effect, which was the third book. And that one was, okay, things are going to happen. One of the things that I say in there is, is take a pebble, go outside, and throw it into a pond, throw it into a lake, throw it into a puddle. You're going to see ripples that go out from the entry point of that rock. And it doesn't matter how, you know, how big or how small it may make a bigger you know, splash when it goes in, but the ripples are still going to be, they'll gain, you know, they'll get bigger in size as they go out. Something that we fail to realize is that when it comes to the ripple effect, if I throw a pebble into the water, even though I don't see the pebble anymore, the ripples are still moving. Hmm. And that's one of the hardest things because people want you to get over it. People want you to move on with your life. But they didn't see that there was a pebble thrown in or a stone or a brick. For some of you, it might have been a house <laughs> that was thrown right. into your pond or your lake. The ripples don't just stop. And it makes it okay. difficult because, yeah, they don't just stop. We wish they would, but they don't. And then on top of that, if another rock or pebble is thrown into the lake, it makes a whole nother set of ripples. Hmm. And I think that's the, that's that thing where we're just like, oh my goodness, no. But people on the outside looking in would never see it in that way. And I think with even, you know, being able to give it in that perspective, it, it'll open eyes for a lot of people because they're like, oh, okay, I see. Now I understand. That makes sense. That makes sense. I wanted to bring on one of our Healing You Advocates, Miss Tasha Dearborn. Dearborn. Tasha, are you there? I'm here. Hey. I know you had a, a question. We're we're doing we're we're learning. Altavina is definitely um, teaching, teaching some teaching. She's definitely teaching healing, and I love that. I don't know if you had any questions for her or not before we continue on. You know, that hour goes by fast. Right. Um, I kind of missed some of the show, but um, I did have a question. Um, I kind of wanted to know, since I do advocate for children and I, you know, speak on self-esteem and stuff like that with the girls, um, I kind of want to know how does the children heal from the situation and what did you do to um, help them with that process? Mm. Good question. So I've found that when it comes to the children, has that's a big one because each of them will go through a different process. Um, but the biggest thing I found with my girls was making sure that they knew who they were and being okay with being unique, not allowing them to conform or to think that they had to do what everybody else does. And I think that that was major. So, my youngest daughter is into the arts. My oldest daughter is into the arts. Okay, 
even if other people aren't into it, you still move forward in it. And reinforcement is the biggest thing because if they're not getting that reinforcement, then they think, okay, well, you just told me just just to have something to say. It's, it's always that thought of you just telling me this or you're just saying these words just to say them. And um, they know when you're genuine. They definitely know when you're genuine. My daughters, I've, woof, it's been a process. And like I said, now they're teenagers, so we all know that that's a whole other process. <laughs> but in knowing that okay, they have people who are looking for them to be genuine and be their unique selves. It allows them to step out of, outside of that comfort zone, you know, pushing them into the direction of their dreams, their hopes, their wants, their desires. It makes a major, major change because it's not, okay, I see that you're not doing well in this subject in school, so we're going to focus on you doing better in this subject in school. No, it's okay. You may not be best at that subject, but I see you doing really well in this subject. Let's see how we can connect the two or let's see how we can, you know, use something that you're really good at in that instance. So for my, for my youngest daughter, I know one of the things she dealt with um, was she dealt with, uh, you know, reading, issues with reading, issues with math, but she loves art. So literally hmm. we would put at her table in school, she would have things where her math would be art, her putting different pieces together and her having different pieces and different colors of things. That worked for her. And she went from doing really poorly in reading and math to doing excellent and being an honor student. So it's, you know, it's taking it back from the normal of everybody's like, okay, well, we want you to feel better. So, you know, let's all group hug and let's feel better and let's sing kumbaya. No, that doesn't work all the time. It's more saying individualized, okay, this is what you're good at. This is what you love to do. Let's use that to move to the next level. This is where you're good. You know, this is where you're strong at. And I think even in society, when we look at, you know, jobs, when we look at school, they focus a lot, okay, this is your weakness. They always want to tell you what your weakness is. But they don't really spend that same amount of attention on your strengths. And I think when you find their strengths, that makes them take notice of their weaknesses and want to do better in those areas. When you pay attention to their strengths, that makes them know that they are amazing at something. So if I'm amazing at something, then I can be amazing at more than just one thing. There's hope for other opportunities. So that being that genuine person and really focusing on what it is that they do well, focusing on what it is that makes them unique. If it is there, I, I've I've made it a point that I don't, we don't fight about hair, <laughs> hairstyles. We don't fight about clothes. We uh, well, let me rephrase that. Mm-hmm. We're not walking around with 
uh, short shorts and mini skirts on. We definitely don't do that. We're respectable. But we don't fight about clothes. I want you to go shopping and pick out what's you. Not because you saw somebody else wearing it, but because that's what you like. So part of of their healing is, you know, you focusing on their strengths and encouraging them to be who who they are. Exactly, and it's that has been the biggest help for them because I'm not trying to – they have enough people, like when they go to a therapist, a therapist is like, okay, tell me your feelings, tell me, tell me your feelings. But this is somebody that they see once a week, they may see once every other week. This is not somebody who's really invested in them right? who's saying, tell me what you like. But when they have somebody who's really invested in them saying, not only tell me what you like, but I see that you like this, or I see that you're really good at that. And it may take a few times of of you saying it to them that they're really like, oh, you're paying attention. That's one of the biggest things is they, they know if you're paying attention to them. Wow. Well, as we come up on seven minutes before the close of the show, I wanted to see if you had like two, maybe one or two, well, one or two tips outside of being able to cry or knowing it's okay to cry that can help someone that's listening to tonight's show that may be dealing with their own healing process. What tips would you like to to leave them with today? Be okay with not being okay. Hmm. Meaning don't think that just because you're you're in a bad spot, you're 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 really down that there's there's something wrong with you. Know your emotions. So know when you're feeling down about something. Know when you feel uncomfortable about something and be okay with with talking about it. Be okay with being upfront about it. I'm uncomfortable. I'm really not in the best of headspace. Um, see that because I guarantee that if you see that, then the road that some go in when they start dealing with drugs and other things, to kind of combat what they're feeling, you won't go down that same road because you'll say, okay, I'm cognizant of my feelings. I know what I'm feeling. Okay, how do I fix this? What do I need to do? And Hmm. instead of you saying, okay, how do I cover this or, you know, what's a temporary fix, you're more apt to going towards a long-term fix especially if it's something that you continuously see. So if I'm sad or I'm going through a blue period or I'm going through a moment of, you know, where I have, where I just don't want to be bothered with people, when I become self-aware of my emotions, then I'm like, okay, I see that this is happening, you know, a little too often, then, then I'm comfortable with let's see what I need to do. And that also goes back to that support system 
is having real people around you who will say, okay, um, something's not right, what's going on? Hmm. Wow. And I I love that you said uh, be okay with not being okay. Um, We have like five minutes. I tell you the hour goes by so fast, but you've given some great, you know, some very great and helpful advice and then heal people hearing, you know, your process and of course connecting with you. Also, they could further hear your story and learn more about your process. So I'm um, Miss Connie, did you have any last uh question or tip you would like to add? Mm. I think I just wanted to echo uh, what Elta was saying about being okay with where you're at. And I think I just wanted to rephrase that to just being authentic, always being aware of how you authentically feel and what you authentically need to feel safe. And, you know, I think uh, for a lot of us, we, we feel that it's not okay to feel what we're feeling, like you were exactly saying. But when we are okay to feel authentic, like we're not doing well, we don't want to speak to anyone, or just being in that space of, okay, what do I authentically need to feel safe? Because I think that the answers do lie inside of ourselves when we feel safe for the answers to come out. So it's beautiful. You're a beautiful woman. And thank you so much for sharing. I absolutely love hearing your live words today. Thank you, Miss Connie. Thank you. And Tasha, did you want to add anything or ask any last last question before we close out the show? Uh, no, I don't have any last questions. Um, I just want to thank her for coming on and sharing her, you know, her story with us and tips on how to heal through a process like that because there's many girls out there that need the same information. So I just thank you. Well, Miss Altaviz, thank you so much for coming on the show. The best way to connect with you and get your books and find out more is your website, www.altavizpelter.com, correct? Yes, ma'am, or they can get my books by going to bit.ly forward slash press series, and it will take them to all of my books on Amazon. Awesome. And, guys, if you're connected with Define You Radio on Facebook, that information is posted there. And also, if you're listening online, if you go to the show notes, you will see Altavis information and website posted in the show notes also. Thank you again for being part of uh, Healing You Tonight. You have a very powerful story. I look forward to having you on definitely in the future to catch up and to find out more about your healing process. With that being said, thank you guys so much for joining us on Healing You. Make sure you follow the show on Blog Talk Radio. If you have any questions or comments about tonight's show, feel free to visit www.valenciagwallace.com. 
Otherwise, I will see you guys Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Central for Define You Radio. And remember, only you can heal you and only you can define you. Have a great healing week. Thank you for listening in to Healing You. Remember, you must heal you in order to define you. Join us next week, same time, same place, as we continue the healing journey together.